Hey, Cornerstone. Welcome to our service. We are doing a little bit different today because in case you didn't hear, we are having live services from this weekend through the middle of October at Lopat Kong Park in New Jersey. And so we are not going to be having the worship team on the recording or any of the announcements or any of that stuff. That's all going to be taking place at the park. However, we understand that many of you still can't make it out to the park, so we're going to be recording the sermons and putting them up for you to listen to. But that said, of course, we are really encouraging you to come on out to the park at Lopat and to worship with us in person as we lift our voices as one family to our King. And so we have uh, finished up our sermon series on God's unsecret identity, and we are going to be starting a brand new series in a couple of weeks that we're really excited for as we go through the book of Acts. And we are uh, trusting that the Lord is going to encourage us and spur us on through that study. But between now and then, we have a couple of stand-alone sermons, and I get to deliver one of those to you today. And I am privileged to do that. And so if you have your Bibles, you can take them out and you can turn to the book of Isaiah. And we are going to turn to Isaiah 43, and we're going to look at a section of prophecy in Isaiah. Now, before I dive into that text, the first thing that I want to do is pray and ask the Spirit of the Lord to lead us into His truth. So would you please pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful that You have given us Your Word, that You have given us Your Spirit, and Your Spirit and Your Word point us to Your Son, Jesus, always. Lord Jesus, you are the Word made flesh, and we thank you that we can study your truth, that we can be encouraged by it, that we can be moved by it, and our faith can be strengthened through it. Father God, I pray that right now all of us would have our hearts stilled, that anything that may be going on in our lives anything that's going on around us right now, that you would give us your peace, that our hearts and our minds would be able to focus on you, focus on your word, and be transformed by it. Lord God, I yield myself to your spirit that you would speak through me, and I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear and our hearts would respond, Lord, to your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, all of us kind of have those people in our lives. Maybe it's a, a friend. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a, a grandfather or a grandmother who you love to hear their stories. You love to hear the story of when they were younger or how things went in their 
interesting life. And you look back and you hold on to those stories, those successes, and maybe even sometimes failures. And sometimes we laugh, sometimes we're just astounded, and sometimes we're rolling our eyes as our uncle talks again about his successes in high school and his now (laughs) failures through the rest of his life. And it's interesting in Scripture, oftentimes the Lord tells His people to look back and to remember and hold on to the mighty works that He's done. But there's also a time when Scripture tells us that we can't look back anymore. It's time to look forward and see what the Lord is doing now, this this new thing that's going on. And as I've been uh, just asking the Lord what to, to, to speak and encourage us with, the Lord kind of drew my attention to Isaiah 43, and we're going to read verses 16 through 21. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. And before I read the text, I want to give a little bit of the background and the context for what is going on in the book of Isaiah. First of all, Isaiah has been prophesying to the people of God throughout his entire life, and this is later on now in the ministry of Isaiah, and he has already been warning the people of their disobedience. He's been warning the people of the fact that they've been turning to idols and they have been forsaking their God. He's been warning the people of their apathy and their laziness and their fears, all of these things that cause them to to draw away from God. And now he has just told them that our God, who who loves us very much, is going to allow his people to be taken away into exile. And this is the consequence of their repeated and continued disobedience and chasing after the idols in the world. And so he tells them that they're going to be taken into uh, exile and Then he says, hey, but don't lose heart. You are going to be delivered out of exile. And you are going to return to the promised land. And the Lord is going to do a work there. And in the midst of that context, Isaiah speaks these words to the people of God in verses 16 through 21. And this is what Isaiah writes as the prophet of the Lord Most High. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, 
I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Now, we're just going to unpack this briefly and Because we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today, I'm going to be taking everything all together, and I would encourage you, after you listen to this sermon, after you you meditate upon it, that you would continue to, to go back and study it and let the Spirit of God take you deeper and further. But as we look at this, want to break this down into two sections, verses 16 and 17 and verses 18 through 21. Now, in verses 16 through 17, Isaiah is immediately calling their attention and reminding them, bringing to their memory an exodus that has already occurred in the history of the Jews. Remember, he just told them that they're going to be taken into exile and that the Lord's going to bring them out. So immediately, they're going to be thinking that, well, he delivered us out of Egypt once before. He's probably going to do it the same way again. And that is exactly what Isaiah reminds them of in verses 16 and 17. He reminds them of how the Lord made a way through the sea and how he destroyed the Egyptian army who tried to come after them. Now, remember, in Scripture, Egypt is always a symbol of the world, the world system, the world culture. They were literally enslaved in Egypt, but they were also figuratively, metaphorically, spiritually captured by the world. And now, Isaiah tells them that they're going to be taken in by Babylon. And in Scripture, Babylon always symbolizes the world. Even in Revelation, when we read about Babylon, that is talking about the world system. That's talking about all of the things in this world that that ensnare us and entice us and call to us. And Isaiah says, hey, I delivered the people out of Egypt and I'm going to deliver you as well. But as soon as you think about Egypt, you also then remember that there was a great failure after that deliverance, that the people were led to the promised land And Joshua and Caleb were sent in along with the other spies, and they came back, and only Joshua and Caleb had the faith to trust in their God to lead them against the giants that were in that land. These circumstances that were, in their view, overwhelming. Now, of course, the other spies all said, we can't do it, guys. And unfortunately, the people of Israel listened to 
the other spies, didn't they? They didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb, and so they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And the Lord had to winnow away those who did not have the faith to enter into the promised land, and he raised up a new generation, and Joshua and Caleb led them into the promised land. So Isaiah here is recalling to their minds this exile and deliverance that the Lord formerly did and the successes and failures that came with that. And then he moves into verses 18 through 21, and he says this really interesting little phrase, hey, guess what? God did this before, but Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? See, Isaiah is reminding them of the exile and deliverance out of Egypt and their failure thereafter, and then immediately says, but guess what? Don't hold on to that. In the Hebrew, the phrase, remember not, doesn't mean to forget. The Lord isn't saying here to forget the mighty work that He did. It's interesting, the Hebrew word here means to, to, to uh, not commemorate or, or not memorialize, not, not hold on to that or hold that up as the way it's always going to be. He says that, yeah, I'm going to do a work of deliverance, but I'm going to do it in a new way, and don't expect it to look the same way. And that's hard for us, isn't it? We don't like surprises. We like predictable and controllable outcomes. We like order, because you know what? It doesn't take a lot of faith when we know the order of things, when we know how it's going to go. It doesn't take a lot of faith when everything is under control and goes exactly as we expect and desire. In fact, we can rely on ourselves oftentimes when we know how things are going to shake out. But God doesn't stand for that because He doesn't get the glory in that situation. And He wants us to be matured and refined and grow beyond what we've already experienced as He does a new work. See, God's character is unchanging. Praise God, right? And we just studied a whole series on God's character and how He is rooted and grounded in love and truth and holiness and righteousness and He's glorious and He's, he's all of these things. He's unchanging and, and He's omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent, right? He's all of these different things. And His character is set. He is the firm rock upon which we stand. But the way that God's character reveals itself and the methods that God uses are dynamic and creative and fresh and new all the time. And that's the point here, that He's going to do a new thing And church, I believe that we are in the midst of a season where the Lord is doing something new. 
that, that things are going on around us that we have to pay attention to, we have to be mindful of, and we have to be willing to see and experience and understand and discern and have wisdom as the Lord does that new thing so that we are not left behind wandering in the wilderness. See, the Lord is doing something new on a cultural level. Things are being shaken up. Lawlessness is increasing, just like Jesus said it would in Matthew 24. We're not, of course, at the end of that yet. There's far more to come, but there's little rumblings. Persecution is starting to increase, maybe a little bit here, nothing close yet to what it's going to be, but certainly around the world, our Christian brothers and sisters are dying for their faith every single day. Entire industries and systems are being up, up, uprooted, and there's an upheaval in, in our schools and in medicine and business. Everything's being changed and the truth of the gospel is being pushed back against more than ever before in, in Western culture. And so we need to discern and embrace what the Lord is doing on a cultural level and be ready to move when it's time to mobilize. To speak truth into that culture in a way and in a method and in, a, in an opportunity that is not afforded before. And that brings us to the second way that the Lord is moving in lots of different ways. I'm just identifying three. He's moving on a cultural level. The Lord is doing something new at the, the, the church level with His people corporately. Remember, church, the people of God make up the body of Christ, not the buildings in which we meet. And clearly, there is something new going on. And the Lord is calling us to engage in ways that are outside of our comfort zone and to, to meet and come together in, in new settings that we might not like because we like the old way. The Lord is giving the church an opportunity to, to move and engage as a body with the world in ways that we haven't before, as there are opportunities to, to evangelize and to make disciples and to speak truth and to, and to come around people who are hurting and to see the gospel transform their lives. But the body of Christ is only going to be as effective as the individual people of God are at walking by the Spirit of God as the Spirit does a new thing. And that's the third level where we need to be aware that the Lord's moving, and that's in our lives individually. Church, just like the people who are being delivered out of Egypt, we cannot long to go back. We can't complain and desire to have it the way it used to be. The Lord is doing a new thing. He doesn't want us to hold on to the ways of the world, to the slavery and idolatry that we may have formerly walked in. He doesn't want us to stay in our comfort zones. 
He wants to move us to deeper levels of obedience, deeper levels of faith, deeper levels of trust. I'm just going to speak for myself right now through this pandemic. It has been very easy to grow spiritually lazy. Or, if I'm not lazy, to grow spiritually complacent and apathetic. Eh. And to not have the motivation to engage like I know I should, but that I don't because it's just, eh. I've kind of gotten used to this, you know, this thing where I just kind of sit around and don't really engage. Church, we, we cannot, we cannot allow the enemy to lull us into that trap. By the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be reminded of who we are. We are the people of God, and He has called us to do a work in the name of Jesus Christ. He has called us to go forth and to preach the gospel. He has called us to mobilize and to love our neighbors and to love our coworkers and to love our family members and to not be still and not grow lazy or complacent. Scripture says in Proverbs 18.9, Proverbs of all kinds of verses about complacency and laziness, and one of them that struck me again recently is Proverbs 18.9, which says, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Church, we cannot be slack in our work. Church, we do need to wake up. We can't hit the snooze button any longer. That alarm has gone off, and some of us have tried to hit the snooze button. And we can't do it, church. We got to wake up. We got to move. We got to mobilize. And if it's to something new, something that we're not comfortable with, something that we don't like, we have to get over ourselves, church. We have to get over our fears. We have to get over our complacency. We have to get over our pride. And we have to seek the work that the Lord is doing in and around us and be a part of it. Because here's the truth. If we are not willing to get out of our comfort zone, our salvation is not going to be in question. But you will be powerless in this world to do the things of God. There will be no spiritual power in you. You'll be just Blah. Just, just, just floating along on the breeze, walking around in the wilderness until the Lord raises up another generation to go and take the promised land. Church, that can't be us. The time is drawing near to go and move and mobilize and engage into the new work that the Lord is doing, and we need to be wise to it. We cannot hold on to the past. We cannot hold on to our comforts. We cannot wallow in fear or laziness or complacency. By the grace of God, we need to move and do His work. And church, the only way that that is going to happen is not by listening to my words and feeling convicted. The only way that that is going to happen is to be reminded that we serve a mighty God and that Jesus Christ has already paved the way for us. 
He has already won the war. And now we have the privilege of of moving and following behind him as his disciples and and doing the work of today, for the people of today, that he has given us opportunity to serve and to speak life to, to be a light to, to, to be salt to. If, if you read through Isaiah here in chapters 43 and 44, the most common thing that you'll see over and over again is the Lord saying, hey, fear not, for I am with you. He says that in verse 1, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. In verse 5, he says, fear not, for I am with you. In chapter 44, verse 2, he says, Fear not, my servant. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Verse 8 of chapter 44, Fear not, be not afraid. You see, fear causes us to be inactive. Fear can root us in complacency and laziness. An apathy, because the work is hard, it's challenging, it's uncomfortable. In chapter 43, verse 18, he says, Remember not the former things, to prepare and beware of the new things. But in chapter 44, verse 21, he says, Remember these things. Here's what you remember, O Jacob and Israel. You are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Church, the Lord's redeemed us through the work of the cross. And that's what we're going to remember and celebrate right now. What our God has done for us. And I have a little cup here with the juice and the cracker in it that I left over there by my bag. So give me 10 seconds to go and grab it. Okay, I'm back. Our Lord has redeemed us. He's already done it. He's already completed the work. It is finished. We are redeemed servants of the Most High God, adopted into His family as His sons and daughters. But He doesn't do that just for our sake, church. He does it so that we can serve Him and we can go to the world that is hurting and lost, which is why we cannot walk in fear, but we walk in power and love and a sound mind, right? That's what we are called to. And as the Lord is doing a new work, we don't try to hold on and commemorate and memorialize the old. We recognize the new And we wisely and discerningly embrace it. I'm not saying we run to every new fad that comes along. You all know that there's so much fluff out there. But when we discern that the Lord is doing something new in church, church, I believe that He is, 
don't know how we could deny that. He's doing a new work on so many levels, and so by God's grace, we'd be a part of it. And it starts with remembering the work of Christ on the cross. He had his body broken for us. He took the punishment for us. We have nothing to fear. We do not need to fear death. We don't need to fear persecution. We don't need to fear loss because we have an eternal weight of glory waiting for us when we can be with our King. So if you have some bread or a cracker with you, I would encourage you to, to take that and take a moment to yourself and, and remember what Christ has done, that He has already won the victory and we have nothing to fear because His body was broken for us. And we remember that together. Let's eat. But His body wasn't only broken, His blood was shed, His life was poured out. We have been redeemed as verse 22 says of chapter 44, and as verse 1 says of verse 43, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. That's what our King has done. And we remember that. We remember that His blood was shed. He purchased us. He redeemed us through His own sacrifice. And so, you have some juice, let's remember our redemption, that we would walk in the boldness of who we are as the sons and daughters of the Most High. Let's drink together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that through Him, we have redemption. Through Him, we have the forgiveness of our sin. Through them, we have a hope and a future that is secure and unwavering. Lord Jesus, we praise You and thank You that You are the epitome of God's love for us, that You love us, that You were obedient to the point of death on a cross. And I pray now that we would have that truth rooted more deeply than ever before, that we are redeemed, we are saved, we are righteous because of you, Lord Jesus, that we have been made right with the Father, and we can go from here boldly embracing the new work that our Heavenly Father is doing. I pray, Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would perceive it, and that as you say, Lord, that we would give you praise, as your scripture says, that we would declare your praise, Father God, as you do the work, as you move in this world, as you deliver people out of their bondage and their slavery to sin. Lord, I pray that you would move and that we would have the, the boldness to be a part of it, God. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. But the by your grace and the power of your spirit, let us walk in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Love you guys. Let's go from here and be the church. Amen.